Why, hello there, Creepinati. This is your fellow creepster, Osiris, hailing from Barberton, Ohio. And welcome to a Sinister Sightings episode with your favorite gals, Donna and Carrie. So grab any and all your APC merch, a comfy spot on the couch, and turn off the lights because it's about to get scary. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 128. And y'all just heard Osiris doing that amazing intro. And we might have had to look up the chant at the end. Yeah, we were like, is it, she talking about like the Girl Scout brownies? Or a team. Which at least we thought it might be a team, but I was like, I don't know any brownies. I'm going to be honest, Donna thought it might be a team. And I was like, <laughs> Ohio, huh. Could not for the life of me think of it. Have you ever done that thing where you try to list out all 32 NFL teams? It's really fucking hard. No, I have never done that. Loser. (laughs) We like did it as like a family function one time. Me, Casey, my mom, my dad were like, okay, who can name all 32 teams? I know I want you. I was close. Hmm. I got more of my mom. Now who's the loser? My mom. (laughs) Trisha. But you know who's not a loser? Osiris, because she got to do the intro on Patreon. And if you want to do an intro to Sinister Sightings, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. You have never sounded more like an OxyClean commercial than you just did. You're welcome. (laughs) Made you proud, Bob. Oh, RIP. Okay, on to the show. Hey, girls, I just listened to Sinister Sightings on 10-1. Y'all read it and I was so excited. So when we connected to whatever that was, the air was really heavy. The time before that, we spoke to my dad, and it felt really light and calm. I'll tell you another experience I had. I was pretty young. I was going to bed, and I felt something sit on my bed. It wasn't a scary feeling at all, so I didn't freak out. I'm sure that was my ninny. The other time, we moved a lot and had just moved into this house maybe a month before. One night, I went to sleep, I believe around 8 or 9. I felt like something was pushing up on my bed with both hands. My first thought was my brother, or maybe a cat. The force was too strong to be a cat. I got up, and my brother was asleep. I went to the kitchen where my mom was. I talked to her, and a few minutes later, my brother came in and said, Mom, there's a little boy in Emily's room. We asked him to describe the boy. He said he had blonde hair and blue eyes and was wearing older-looking clothes. My mom freaked out, and we stayed in the living room that night watching Cartoon Network. Thanks so much. Creep it real, Emily. Oh, my gosh. Uh Uh-uh. No. There's a boy, a little boy. Also, can I go to bed at 8 or 9? Because that sounds heavenly. (laughs) You did last night. You know what? 9.30, (laughs) ma'am. And it was fucking heaven. I literally just told Donna, I don't think I moved all night. Mm-mm-mm. Why are they always going to be wearing old clothes, too? Because that's scarier to us. True. Also, late night cartoon network I used to hate because it would be like Johnny Bravo. I know. Don't come. Don't come at me. I know. I see your face. I know you're going to flip. I just don't love him. It annoys I love the shit him. Out of me. He annoyed the shit out of me. Hey, mama. I can't do see, it. Like that. Ew. <laughs> 
Gross. Fix your hair. <laughs> he did. Not the way I like it. <laughs> oh, God. It was very douchey. He was a douche. Well, I watch Zach Bagan, so there's that. You have a thing for douches. I don't do them, though. Good. That's very bad for your pH health. <laughs> <laughs> okay, second one. I was just listening to Sinister Sightings Episode 2, and at the end, you mentioned if you've ever had to call the police on your neighbors or why you've had to call the police. I did not call the police in this story, but it involves the police. I prefer to not have my name used in this email. This story takes place in 2015. I was dating my ex-boyfriend, and we had been together for about a year. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't think I actually liked him throughout our entire relationship. Our relationship started because he gave me an ultimatum, now or never. And I chose now because I was too afraid of being alone. I feel that in my soul. Yeah. I try to block out this time in my life. Anyway, I was going through some shit while we dated. One day in 2015, my boyfriend, let's call him Ozzy, had come over to my apartment to hang out. He told me that later in the evening, he was going to go to his friend's house to play video games. I was 110% okay with this, of course, but since it was a friend whose roommate he used to have a crush on, I told him I'd prefer it if he didn't spend the night, especially because there would be drinking. Hey, I've been drunk and done some stupid ass shit, so I thought this was a reasonable ask. I told him I'd pick him up whenever he wanted, midnight, 2 a.m., 4 a.m., whenever. He got unusually angry at me. First, he was visually angry, but quiet. And then when I tried to get information out of him as to why he was angry, he grabbed my shoulders and was yelling at, sorry, and was yelling at me and shaking me. He had never gotten physical with me, despite all of the verbal abuse throughout our relationship, so it really shocked me. I don't remember what he said because, as I've said before, I try to block that time of my life out of my memories. Whatever he said scared me because I started to cry and feel scared. My apartment complex had six buildings, and from my apartment balcony door window, almost all of the other apartments could see in. I decided to run over to the glass door and stand there while he chased after me and continued to shake me and yell at me. I was crying. Ten minutes later, there was a knock at my front door. It was the police. Someone had thankfully called the police after seeing him yelling at me through the glass door. The police talked to us separately. I said that we had just gotten into a little fight and there was nothing to worry about, but I so wish I would have told them how scared I actually was. My advice to anyone who experiences abuse from a partner, any type of abuse, please, please, please do not lie to yourself or others about the situation, no matter how scared you are. After the police left, Ozzy started to cry uncontrollably and kept telling me how sorry he was. He never ended up going to his friend's house because he said he just wanted to be with me. I'm sorry I can't be more descriptive in terms of what happened that night, but I successfully blocked it out of my memory. I do remember he gave me a bruise on my arm near my shoulders. I broke up with him a full year and a half after that incident. I should have broken up with him that night. 
Breaking up with him was the best decision I've ever made. I genuinely hope he finds happiness, but him and I made a toxic couple. Probably because I'm an Aries and he's a Taurus. I was constantly trying to prove that I was or wasn't something and constantly trying to impress his mother who hated me. I swear she did not want another woman in her son's life. Such a toxic situation. I can't help but think he got so mad that night because he did have intentions with that other girl. Who knows? I'm now in a healthy relationship with the greatest man I've ever known. True love is out there, folks. There's another story I'd like to share, but I'm uncomfortable with it at this time because it involves witnessing a hit and run type of accident, and I'm unsure if it's inappropriate or disrespectful to share. It was something that is forever burned into my brain, and quite frankly, something I never thought I'd ever witness. Let me know if you'd like to hear that story. As I said, I don't want to be disrespectful to the deceased. Keep up the amazing work. I love your podcast, and I always feel like I'm chilling with my best friends when I'm listening to you. I like to listen while I'm on long walks, and it makes the time go back quicker. Thanks, ladies. A. Holy shit. Oh, he 1,000% had inappropriate intentions Mm -hmm. with that girl and was pissed. Yes. That you would even dare to ask him not to go. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm so glad that you're safe. Yes, that you're safe, you're happy. And that's so smart, knowing that that's how someone could help you. You know, you went to that door and, you know, just, but also that's so sad that you were in that mode and you had to think about that. And you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I could have thought about it. I would have just been helpless at that point. Well, and you definitely, well, I can't tell you how to feel, but definitely don't deserve to be beaten up for staying and all of that. Because again, you know, like you said, he was so apologetic and didn't go. And it's like, well, see, he really didn't mean it. And, you know, he didn't even leave. He stayed Mm -hmm. with me, you know. Manipulators are going to manipulate. Right. And you rationalize the behavior and, oh, he didn't mean to do this. And he's looking, you know, like I just said, he's staying all these things. So you definitely shouldn't beat yourself up for trying to make the best out of a shitty situation. Right. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I hope people out there in similar situations really do take what you said to heart and, you know, they can relate to that. And And pull from your strength to get into a safe, as safe of a place as they can. Mm -hmm. Also on the second thing, the story that you want to talk about I'll defer to Carrie if anything is disrespectful because I myself am nosy as fuck and want to know about it. I don't think that there's, I mean, we talk about unsolved crimes and stuff all the time. I I don't think that there's, I think there's always a respectful way to do something, but I don't think it's disrespectful to talk about it. Yeah, You're telling your experience from something that happened. Like, it's not like you're, you know, doing what we do every day on the podcast. (laughs) So, yes, send it in. Okay, the next one. Hey, Carrie and Donna, I've recently found APC Podcast, and I've recently just caught up. Here are a few stories that have happened to me and some dreams that I've had. I would love to know what y'all think. I can't remember how old I was when these things started happening and when they happened, but I know it was before I turned 13. I was living with my great-grandma, and when we used to go to bed, we would hear the pots and pans moving in the kitchen and footsteps, like someone was getting ready to cook. I remember it just being us in the house. 
there would be no one else there. We never got up to look because we were scared. And if I'm honest, we probably didn't want to see anything paranormal in the kitchen. I honestly don't know if it ever stopped or I just got used to it. Here's the second story. My great-grandma passed when I was a junior in high school. A couple of months after she passed, I would have vivid dreams of her. We would be somewhere eating, and I would be talking to her and telling her all of the current events of my life. It would feel so real, and I'd wake up thinking that I talked to her in person, and then reality would sink in, and I'd remember she passed. If you haven't figured out yet, we were really close. I lived with her up until I was 13, and after a while, I'd start having dreams of her being mad at me and not knowing why. Then I'd have dreams of her not mad at me. It was like back and forth. But of course, I was upset when I would have a dream of her being mad at me. Then I would have less and less dreams of her. About three years after she passed, I moved in with my now boyfriend. I had this dark blue sweater that was hers and I would wear it a lot. One day I found a gray hair on the sweater and I freaked out because I have black hair and no one that I visited had gray hair. My grandma had black and gray hair. On three different occasions, I found one piece of gray hair. They all looked the same length, then nothing, no hair. And I didn't have a dream about her for a long time, or I don't remember them. The most recent dream I had was almost a year ago. And in my dream, my boyfriend and I were trying to let her meet our baby that's two. I vividly remember us walking up to the porch of her house and us trying to talk to her. And she was just mad. We were walking back to our car to leave, and the tornado sirens went off. We live in Texas. I look up, and there was a tornado coming towards us. So we turned back to go inside, or for her to let us in, and she absolutely refused. I woke up and felt sad, and I haven't had a dream since or anything. It's been 10 years since she passed away on December 5th of this year. Also, I wanted to note she never met my boyfriend. Well, that's all for now. Sorry if this was long. I love you guys. Cynthia from Texas. She even wrote it. Texas. (laughs) What the hell does that mean? I don't know. Because why would she be mad at you? Like, it's not like, I don't think in real life, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think her, I don't think it means her spirit is mad at you because I don't think that's what spirit does. I'm Teresa Caputo now. (laughs) I call it spirit. (laughs) I know. I don't, I think that, okay, let me ask you this. When you had those dreams, I think you kind of said this, but were you like actually really upset in your real life? Like was shit going down in your real life and then it just like projected into your dream and she's your safe space. And so maybe you felt like you weren't safe. And so your safe space was mad at you in your dreams. Mm, yeah. Because again, you know, to bring it back to me, I'm Channel Adonis <laughs> inner Leo. Huh. But whenever I'm stressed out at work, my work dreams will always be like I'm working with a patient and they fall, you know. And so it's Mm -hmm. like my place that's giving me the most stress ends up in my dream. And then it's like what I would always consider like the worst case scenario. And I don't even work in hospitals anymore, you know. So (laughs) it's like, but that's my like where I started as a new grad when I was learning things and at my most vulnerable as a therapist. And so that's where I always go back to. Yeah. So if she's your safe space and where you feel the most vulnerable, maybe that's what you go back to. And those emotions that you're feeling in real life are projected onto her. That sounds right. Also, I haven't had a dream. I remember in a long time. I always do. 
I can't, like, I remember it in, like, pictures, kind of, but not pictures. It's weird. But it's like... Lord, we know you can't describe anything accurately. It's like I remember it, but I remember more of the feeling of my dream. Like, it'll give me, like, a pit in my stomach or anxious or, you know what I mean? So, I remember the feeling that I had in my dream, usually with, like, one snapshot of the dream. Mm. If I can't tell you the whole thing. Otherwise, it's like a fucking movie. Yeah. Donna used to always have dreams about us, and we were always skinny in her dreams. Always skinny. (laughs) Maybe that's why I don't dream anymore. (laughs) I always be like, what do I look like skinny? (laughs) You're a bobblehead. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Your head's so small right now. So your head went to normal size. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Hey, ladies. First off, I have to say I love your show. It's like I have two long-lost BFFs that don't know I exist. (laughs) Donna doesn't know I exist either. It's fun. Mm Mm-hmm. So I have a few stories, so break them up if you need to. Also, definitely not a writer, but here goes. Picture it. I'm seven years old, and I have a dream that I'm pregnant. Like, full-on about-to-pop pregnant at seven years old. I didn't even know where babies came from at seven. But here I was in my dream about to deliver a baby. About nine months later, my first niece is born. What? This experience has happened to me every single pregnancy of anyone close to me for the last 26 years. Friends, family, coworkers. But of course, this never happened when I was pregnant myself. Go figure. I started listening to the dreams and would announce at family gatherings, well, I had a pregnant dream. Who is it? And then one year on Thanksgiving, my cousin calls me and says, so didn't you have a pregnant dream a while back about that? It's gotten to the point where I will have two dreams, one before they know and one about when they find out. My best friend slash neighbor came over for a play date with our boys back in February And we were talking about my dreams and that I had just had one. And she smiles and says, maybe it's me. Come October and her beautiful baby girl is born. I will also get these weird feelings in my stomach, like nervous brick in your stomach, strange feeling. Like something isn't right. A few years ago, I had it bad and I shook it off as nerves as I was prepping for meet the teacher at work. The next day, I get a call from my mom that my brother was arrested and going to be doing a bit of time in prison. Not a surprise, but still never fun to hear. And recently, I had that same feeling, and I made a point to tell my husband when I get them so I can track this stuff. And according to him, it's all coincidence. Ugh, men. Anyway, same sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach And I get a text the next day to tell me that my granny had had an injury at the nursing facilities she's in and had to make a trip to the hospital. I will also have crazy vivid dreams about people who have passed, even if I've never met them. My husband's mom passed before we met. And after we got engaged, I had a crazy weird dream and she was there and made me feel so at ease and welcome. And she just took care of me and my daughter from a previous marriage. When I told the story to my father-in-law and husband, they both said, that's Phyllis. My dad has also come to me in a dream. We never had a relationship, and he passed in July due to COVID. 
I took it as him apologizing for his absence. Call me crazy, but I feel like all of this is too frequent to be a coincidence. Or I'm just crazy. I will email again soon. I have stories about hauntings throughout my life. Maybe I'm a medium and don't know it. I'm sure if I ask my husband, he will have some ambient stories for you that I don't remember too. Creep it real, ladies. Sarah C. Okay, well, you dream enough for the both of us. I was going to say, hey, she remembers all kind of dreams. Mm-hmm. Wow. I just don't remember dreams well. Well, it's not your gift. No, it's not. I was going to say, so if I'm a medium or anything like that. People shit out of luck. They, yeah, I'm like, well. Yeah, but you see, your gift is like a different kind of memory. Like you remember people and stories and yeah, I don't remember that at all. Like, I, you know, you're going to remember people's names and like, oh, that's so-and-so that did da 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 I'm like, I don't fucking know how you remember that, but thanks for telling me. Yeah. It's just not my gift. Now, I can remember... Again, I keep talking about work today, but like I can remember like at work, I can be like, yeah, I remember that was the patient that had this surgery that did this. And then when they were doing therapy, they had this happen and then this happened. And it's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a gift. Mm. I'm not saying that's not a gift, but you get the point. <laughs> I hate that feeling of like dread and knowing something's coming and you just don't know what it is. Yes. Impending doom. Oh, like I have that in my stomach for you right now. No, that's just gas. Mm-mm. Doom. <laughs> also, uh, please ask your husband for the ambient stories. We need all the deets, Sarah. We need way more titties flapping in the wind. <laughs> Not just Donna's. I'm tired of them. Uh, they don't flap. They just flop. All right. The next one is called Juan the Jockey Ghost. Hello, ladies. My name is Maddie, and you. Why do you wave? <laughs> I like. I, I I talk with my hands. I can't help this. <laughs> like I'm like doing all the hand motions whenever I'm reading these. Yes. Okay, so back to hello, ladies. <laughs> my name is Maddie, and I'm from Pennsylvania. This story is more so my parents' story due to the fact I was not home on the evening of its happening. But I lived in the house, so it's still super spooky. Here's a bit of history for you. The man who lived in the house before we did was a horse jockey named Juan. One night while he was at home, he noticed someone was breaking into his vehicle out in the driveway. Juan ran outside to try to scare off the robber, but instead he was chased up the street and stabbed. And then we moved in. We occasionally noticed weird little things happening around the house, like feeling someone was on the other side of the curtain while showering, or the cat staring up into corners at night when there definitely was nothing there. But nothing super earth-shattering until one night. (laughs) Till one night! (laughs) My brother and sister, who are twins, were maybe only a year old at the time. Mine and their bedroom were on the same floor as the living room and the kitchen, and my parents had fallen asleep on the couch watching a movie on this particular evening. My mom always turned the radio on low for them at night, just so there was a bit of background music. Well, my parents snapped awake at God knows what hour to the radio blaring from my siblings' room. My mom opens the door, and my brother and sister are still sound asleep, and the radio knob turned to max volume all by itself. Again, the kids were maybe only a year old, just learning to walk, not even able to reach the radio if they wanted to, and still asleep. 
This happened about two weeks to a month before we were scheduled to move to a new house, and we're hoping it was a strange way of Juan telling us he didn't want us to leave. Or maybe he was excited for us to leave. Who knows? I may have some other stories soon. My great-grandma passed away a few weeks ago, and a couple of my family members have definitely been given some crazy yet heartwarming signs that she's still with us. Thank you so much for reading my stories, ladies. I love you guys. Thank you for helping me stay sane. Creep it real, Maddie. I'm so sorry about your grandmother passing, but uh, send us those stories. Because I love hearing about how, you know, other signs and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's It's heartwarming. It is, especially when you're going through that yourself. What I want to know is if the volume was that loud, how in the fuck do the kids not wake up? I mean, they wake up to if you, like, trip in their room. You know what I mean? Right. Step on a fucking Lego trying to check and make sure they're breathing. All right. The next one's titled True Crime, Past Lives, and Passing Souls. Hey, Carrie and little Donna. This is Jaden from the Facebook group, and I got to start with telling you why I have the time to email y'all on a Wednesday afternoon when I should be at work. I work at a cannabis farm full-time in Washington and come home on my lunch break, as per usual, to check on my sweet Chihuahua Minpin, which is a chin pin, named <laughs> Hannah. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> it's like straight to a double chin in my brain i don't know what like a bedazzled double chin like a chin pin (laughs) oh my god that was hilarious you yeah okay well if y'all didn't hear the name the chimpanzee's name is hannah (sighs) this little lady has quite the history she must have been born on a breeder farm somewhere in texas because the vet said that she had one litter of puppies before she was a year old after i'm assuming she escaped she was rescued from the streets but was pregnant again So they aborted that litter since she was still so young and sent her up here to eastern Washington. Why are people so cruel to dogs? I don't know. Like to animals, period. I don't know. And it breaks my heart. Literally a day or two after she arrived, my mom and stepdad were, quote unquote, just browsing at the new arrivals in Petco. That's a famous line that always results in them getting a new thing. They can never just look because they will get something. Yep. My parents, too. We're not getting another dog. Comes home with another dog. That's also Tiffany's parents. One time, it was, I swear, I think it was Lord of the Rings. But you got a free DVD of it if you test drove a car. And so they went and test drove a car. Mm-hmm. To get that DVD and came back with the car. Yes. (laughs) I think it was that movie. Anyway. That's so random, too. (laughs) Test drive a car and we'll give you this obscure movie. (laughs) Well, it wasn't obscure when they did it. No, I know. I mean, who gives movies away now anyway? It would be like, (laughs) it would be like a streaming service free for a year or something, you know? Yeah. Which, I mean, I would do. 
Yes. That, that's actually a really good way to get people in. <laughs> okay, back to the story. I happened to be with them for the day, and when I had the opportunity to play with her in a little room, we just clicked in a way that surprised the staff and my mom. At the time, I lived with my now ex-boyfriend in a small apartment with two cats that we already weren't supposed to have. So Hannah stayed with my mom and her pack of dogs for a couple of years. Earlier this spring, my mom called me one day and said, do you want to come take your dog before I get rid of her? (gasps) Why? (laughs) No. Between my mom having two elderly large dogs, two hyperactive pugs, and a boyfriend who had a kidney transplant a year ago due to type 1 diabetes complications, my mom was a little overwhelmed with Miss Hannah killing birds and squirrels and constantly barking when outside. Those fucking chin pins. (laughs) (laughs) Also, oh, I totally understand. Yes. Yeah. Also, I read that, like... Are you going to get your dog before I get rid of her? And she could have been like, can you come get this dog, please? Yeah. Or be like, look, are you going to do this before I get rid of it? Like knowing that it's not, you know, like whatever, but whatever. Y'all know. She just said like her mom had a lot on her plate. Yes. All of that. So we know what out of a place of hatred or anything. Yeah. Donna made your mom sound like a royal bitch, (laughs) but we know that she's not. Sorry. Hannah was acting like a neglected middle child, to put it simply. So she now lives with me in my own apartment with my cat, Gandalf. What? How? That's from Lord (laughs) of the Rings, right? Yes. Okay, how weird. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Fucking synchronicity. Yes. Literally, she says, he's gray, like the wizard from the Lord of the Rings. What the what? We do not read these ahead of time. And... I had to scroll up on my phone or down or whatever to see this part. So, like, it wasn't like, oh, I had read that and that's why it was in my brain. Yeah. No. No. Holy shit. Anyway. So, that was a long-winded way to say that Hannah has some issues. But I love her because I do, too. I mean, you got issues. I got them, too. You tell me all of yours. I'll tell me whatever the fuck Oh, God. Imagine that. Carrie (laughs) fucked up lyrics. Whatever the song says. (laughs) Sorry, Julia Michaels. Since moving in with me, Hannah has a habit of pooping on my rugs and then burying the poop in the rug because she knows she did something wrong. The most baffling part of it is that she normally does it in the bathroom where I have the litter box, my toilet, Avi, and now a grass pad thing for Hannah. Today, however, I struggled to open the door at lunch because this time she shit on slash under the rug by the front door. Uh-uh. And when I opened the door uh-uh. over the rug, uh-uh. it acted like a steamroller and smushed the poop all over. So I took the rest of the day off from work to rage clean and do some other chores. So here we are. Let's dive in. That's why they have a Wednesday afternoon off to send in the email. Yes. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. All right. For the true crime story, we're going to reference the now ex-boyfriend I used to live with. And y'all need to know that my mom has been a 911 operator for going on 16 years now. Picture it. You're a 19-year-old girl staying up late waiting for your boyfriend to come home from the graveyard shift at work. 
Living on the second floor of a three-story apartment building means that there's lots of noise from neighbors that you learn to tune out. Worst part of apartment building living, I mean, aside from loud neighbors, smelling their dinner cooking. Ooh, unless it's good. No, I know it's never, it's never good. I don't care. <laughs> you can be making the most like delectable meal, but if I'm walking down my hallway and I fucking smell your cooking, it makes my stomach hurt. Damn. I was probably cleaning, taking dabs, and just chilling when out of the blue. I hear the upstairs neighbor slam his door open and hear him scream, I'm going to fucking find you and beat your ass. I'm going to kill you, you stupid bitch. Who the fuck are you talking to like that, motherfucker? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. But mind you, I hadn't heard any other yelling or heard any indication that there was a second party to this disaster at all. I immediately go lock the front door, lock the bedroom window, but like Donna, my nosy ass needed to know what the fuck was going on, so I left the living room window cracked just a tiny bit to hear asshole hollering. I totally would have done the same thing. You're exactly right. Call me out all you want. After a minute or two, I started to chill out thinking it was all good. Nah, nah, it's never that simple with crazy neighbors. Another minute passes, and I hear the unmistakable sound of a metal baseball bat (gasps) swinging against a railing outside of my floor. Like when you were a kid and walked along a big fence and held a stick out while you walked just to hear and feel the thud, 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 thud of the stick as you were walking by. Mm -hmm. But it was metal on fucking metal. And again, right outside of my door when he was just upstairs. I didn't know if this dude was looking for someone specific or if he was looking for someone who looked like me or if he would attack the first person to walk by him, which could be my boyfriend that was supposed to come home any minute. So like any anxiety and panic riddled person would do, I immediately text the boyfriend to tell him not to get out of his friend's car if they arrived before the cops. Then I swooped up the cat and locked us both into the bathroom. Because, yeah, locking yourself into a room with no windows or defense tools with a cat who doesn't care if you live or die is totally survival 101. (laughs) So, with an anxiety attack bubbling and trying to control my tears so I can speak clearly to the operator, I pull out my phone and dial those three damned numbers, 911. Now, mind you... As I'm barely staying held together by a thread because I can still hear asshole yelling from the bathroom, I can't even start thinking, oh shit, is mom working when I hear her voice? She can hardly utter 911, what's your, before I cut her off and instinctually melt down and cry into the phone, mommy, there's a scary guy outside with a bat who might hurt, insert boyfriend's name, because he's going to be home any minute and I don't know what to do. So she immediately goes into operator mode, gets the address into the system, and gets police dispatched. However, just as quickly as that call went out and ended, she stepped outside to call me on her cell phone where she could activate mom mode and actually tell me to calm the fuck down and get out of the damn bathroom to wait for the cops. Just as the cops arrived, Asshole decided he wanted to take his drunk ass to Jack in the Box, so they caught him in the parking lot and I'm sure told him to get control over himself and to not drive while obviously intoxicated. 
At that same time, the boyfriend came home, and I could finally relax and dab myself into a lovely sleep. My mom still refers to this as her worst call ever, simply because it was me on the other end. I've gone to work with her pre-COVID and had the chance to listen in on some calls. And I got to tell you that if you ever meet a 911 operator or anyone in dispatch, please thank them. They are truly the first person you contact in your worst moments before you can even get the help to arrive. That's so true. Mm -hmm. They sort the call, help understand what you need, and get you help as quickly as possible. And as of this year, my mom now does medical calls over the phone. Like she tells people how to perform CPR and deliver a baby. Holy shit. They're often referred to as secretaries, but without them, emergency services would be scattered as hell like they used to back in the day. I feel that they are the unsung heroes of the emergency services and really want to put my mom and all of them on a pedestal because they deserve it. Now for the paranormal story. For a quick overview, like many creepsters, my interest in the dark and macabre started pretty early. But I was always so afraid of seeing anything that I'm pretty sure I closed a lot of stuff off, especially since I'm on heavy doses of sertraline and trazodone to manage insomnia, anxiety, depression, and PTSD. However, I still manage to have premonition-type dreams once in a while, but not as often anymore, thankfully. Very much like Carrie, don't fuck with my sleep. My routine is key to making sure I get a full night's rest before work, even if that means I'm in bed by 7.30 p.m. I work at 5 a.m. However, earlier this spring, I had an incredibly vivid dream that I even shared with my friends and family on Facebook because it was so mind-blowing in almost every sense. Since that other creepster posted in the group, that possibly having a sex dream could be a ghost getting busy with you, I felt that y'all would appreciate my dream that I'm honestly not so sure was just a dream. That night, I took my meds as usual, got high, and fell asleep watching Lord of the Rings. Let me tell you that in this life, I am a cis female who is mostly straight, maybe bisexual, because I've always had this unexplainable attraction to women, but labels suck and so does reality. So here we go. In the dream, I was a strong, bearded, warrior type of man, possibly in the Middle Ages. My armor was heavy, and I was a tired dude from doing whatever manly shit I was probably doing. I was climbing the stone stairs up to the tower to get to my room and pass torches along the wall about every six to eight feet. Once I got to my room, the hearth was already lit, and my female companion was waiting for me. I don't know if she was my wife, a servant that I was taking advantage of, if there was a language barrier, or really anything about her, but I knew she was waiting for me. The way her moonlight blonde hair turned to a warm yellow in the glow of the fire was enchanting. She wore a simple brown dress, sat on the bearskin rug that I had previously hunted, and was combing her hair when she locked her bright blue eyes onto mine, and somehow... I could feel that she wanted physical touch as much as I did. I could smell the smoke from the wood burning and feel the cool breeze coming in from the window as I went about the room. In an attempt to keep this PG-13, I'll simply say that the way she tended to my every need and desire was unlike anything I've experienced in this life so far. 
The soft but strong grip she had, the way her lips explored every appendage of my body was beyond magical. I could feel the curves of her body in my hands as she basically sucked the life out of me. Everything about the experience felt so real, beyond any dream I had experienced previously, that when I woke up to a vagina between my legs, I was actually really upset about it, because goddamn, that blowjob was fucking amazing, (laughs) and I can apparently remember it in a completely different life. Now, I don't want to offend anyone with this, so I'll just clarify by saying that yes, I am absolutely female, but I have always always wondered what it would be like to have a penis even just to helicopter it around (laughs) (laughs) and especially when it comes to sexual encounters like that dream because if that's what having sex is like as a man oh lord do i hope to have another life as a man because that woman was incredible and i hope her soul is doing very well With that, I will leave you both with a quick story about how I'm pretty sure the souls of my baby brother and first dog passed each other. In late August of 2018, I was living with my mom for a moment and got a little too tipsy one night. I was loving on my first dog, Zoe, and she was about 15 years old at the time. She was slowing down, not eating as much, all the awful things, but my mom wasn't noticing it. So in my brave and intoxicated state, I flat out told my mom that she's being selfish for ignoring Zoe's pain and that we need to deal with it and help do what's best for her. Yes, she still gives me shit about it, but hey, I was right. My parents divorced my freshman year of high school, 2010, and at this point in 2018, my dad was with a woman who was about eight months pregnant with my half-brother. That in of itself is a whole story because... When my younger sister and I were little, we would always ask our parents when we were getting our brother about 20 years later and with a completely different woman. That's when. My mom made the appointment for Zoe to cross a rainbow bridge at noon on the 31st of August. So when the awful time came and went, I finally went back to my mom's to cry myself to sleep around 8 o'clock that night. Instead, my dad calls me to say that my brother is on his way into the world. If you've ever had to put down a pet or even lost one, you know how difficult that hurt is. I held Zoe's head and felt the weight of it change as she left this plane of existence. And by 8 p.m. when I answered my dad's call, I also felt a similar weight lift off of my shoulders. My very basic conclusion was that Zoe knew my sister and I needed something to help heal the hurt of her passing. So she sent my brother to us a couple of weeks early. Zoe passed at noon, the 31st. My brother was born the morning of September 1st. Energy can't be created or destroyed, and the universe maintains the balance, even if we don't always see the other side of the equation. This time, however, I was blessed enough to witness both sides of life and death within a 24-hour period that would change my life and understanding of mortality. Thank you both and Will so much for the podcast, the community you've created, and for all the laughs and tears that we share. I hope someday to have the same positive impact on people that you two do. If I ever get my finances under control, I'll definitely sign up for Patreon to get that bonus content to binge because I miss feeling like we're all just hanging out while I work all day. Jaden. 
I totally believe in souls passing like one another like that. Like I, even though my grandma passed like a week before my niece Allie was born, I don't even think it was a full week. I firmly believe that their souls passed. Yeah, you said that. Yeah, it makes sense. And oh my god, your mom answering your nine one one call. Oh my gosh, I cannot even imagine. Like if somebody calls me at a time when they're not supposed to call me, I literally say, "Hey, what's wrong?" Yeah, yeah. Like if you call me when I'm at work, what what's wrong? Yeah. Your mom's so professional, though, to, like, get everything started. Because I would have just been like, mom. And, like. Which is why her mom's a fucking 911 operator yes. and you're not. Yes. Because I would have just, like, been a puddle of emotion. But that's so true. They literally are the first, firstest, first responder. Yes. And the fact that they know what all these motherfuckers are saying to them when they're, like, scream crying. I know. I know. That in itself is award-winning. Yes. Okay, the next one. Hey, ladies, I've been listening for a hot minute now, and I recently shared briefly about how my mom was in prison and befriended Cindy Hindi, the Toy Box Killer's accomplice, after listening to that episode. Well, I've got another more personal true crime story. Do you remember that? I remember Mm -hmm. that. Here goes. It's Phoenix, Arizona, June 2014, and my mom is greeted by police at her front door. Her mind is instantly racing, thinking she's gotten into trouble again. She has a bit of a past, to say the least. But this time, the cops weren't there because of her. They asked, how long has your son been missing? She replied, what do you mean? My son's not missing. He was just here a few days ago. Then she immediately called me, asking if I had seen or talked to him. I said, Mom, I just saw him at your house a few days ago, remember? What do you mean? She told me the police were saying he's gone missing. Here I am thinking, no fucking way he's missing. And secondly, how would the police know before us? Who reported him missing? The cops proceeded to say that they think he's part of an incident that occurred and they would get back to my mom and left. What kind of cliffhanger is that? Don't fucking put a mom on pins and needles that her fucking child is missing in the day. BRB, let me go check my facts. Yeah. We started reaching out to all the people and places, not knowing what to think. He'd been released from prison in January and was on parole, so we thought maybe he had messed up and was in trouble. In those following couple of days, I have to keep doing double takes on every person I see on the street, skateboarding or otherwise, and I begin to think I'm seeing him everywhere, only it never was. Also, days? You're waiting days? Oh my Uh -uh. gosh. The police return to us after a few days and say they think that they found him, to which we have some relief and also feel pity that he's going back to jail soon, thinking he was hiding out and now he's caught. But then the cops ask us whether he has any identifying marks. We're both dumbfounded by this and tell them, well, yeah, he has a lot of tattoos and long, thick, auburn brown hair. No, they said he has no tattoos. We are truly stumped, not understanding. They must have the wrong guy then. There's no way you couldn't see his tattoos. He's literally covered neck to feet in tattoos because prison. They explain they think they found his body and ask if he's been wearing a lot of jewelry. My mom and I both hysterical by this point ask if we could come see him and identify him. They declined saying those nightmarish words. His body is unrecognizable. Oh my gosh. And there are no tattoos. Is there another way they can identify him? Horrified, I snap at them. Yes, he was in prison for a few years. They should have dental records. 
A few more days passed, though it felt like an eternity, and though law enforcement said they found him, that glimmer of hope that he could still be out there just missing takes over my mind, and I go into denial. Finally, 19th of July, 2014, the police tell us that they verified through prison records that it is, in fact, Garth. He's been found in the back of a burning, stolen truck with two other bodies. I could no longer feel or hear my heart beating. My body continued to live, but my heart had broken and died that day. We would come to find out from the autopsy that they had been shot, then loaded in the back of a pickup and lit on fire 10 days earlier on July 9th. Things are beginning to click now. I remember seeing that news story. Surprise, Arizona Fire Department is dispatched that afternoon of July 9th to a car fire in the desert. And surprise, they discovered three bodies were burning in the truck bed and consider it suspicious. Yeah, well, no shit. How could this happen? Who did this? Why? We go to the police station so they can question my mom as they think she may be involved or know something. And she does feel responsible because he's been hanging out with people that she knew. She actually paid Billy, one of the other victims, to bring my brother to them to hang out and go to some party because she didn't want my brother to be around while she was getting high, especially because he was on parole. So she didn't want to screw it up for him. But she's still suffering in her addiction at this time and wants to get high herself. Obviously, this was not the right way to handle this. So the police have questions for her, as well as some information. They knew that he had gone to some party. They even have video footage of this from the security camera at the party. And that's the last anyone saw him. Or did they? Detectives said they have an impossible feat ahead of them as no one will talk to them because all the people there at this party and involved with my mom and in that area they were hanging out are all drug addicts and hustling to keep that high. And the rule is very clear in that world. You don't talk to cops, period. You don't want to be labeled as a narc because that in itself could be a death sentence. But my mom is crazy and hardcore herself, so she kept on asking questions and encouraging everyone to talk to the detectives and help find who killed her son and the two others in cold blood. So much so that she was threatened through the grapevine. If you don't shut your fucking mouth, you'll go meet your son very soon. The desert is as deep as it is wide. To this day, the case is still unsolved, and the surprise PD seems to have no real evidence Chucked it up to being the work of a Mexican drug cartel. I roll. Yes, let's just blame it on the Mexicans. How convenient of you, Arizona. A couple of interesting things since then. I think it must have been August that year when I got a stern phone call from my brother's parole officer asking why he's missing appointments. And if he doesn't make contact soon, he's going to report and violate him, sending him back to prison. I was astonished to find out that his parole officer had no idea. One hand does not know what the other hand is doing, obviously. Then, I think in 2017-2018, on a web sleuth site, someone commented on the post about his unsolved triple homicide, claiming they know the person who did this. Some guy in New York said he had a roommate who moved to Arizona and finally spilled about it. The detective said they looked into it and it was a dead lead. Lastly, in 2019, someone created an Instagram account with my brother's name backwards as the username, but the person's name is some girl. I requested to follow and they've accepted. To this day, I'm still the only follower and they aren't following any other accounts. 
I've sent multiple messages, but no reply. Probably just a strange coincidence, but still very strange. Along the way, looking for any information I might be able to uncover online, I've come across harsh comments, dismissing him and the other victims as just a drug deal gone bad and, oh well, three less meth heads wasting space. To those people, I want to say, shame on you. Garth was just a young man, only 25, with so much life still ahead of him. He was a son, brother, nephew, cousin, a great friend, a talented artist, and a funny, loving guy that would take the shirt off his back to help someone out. Yes, he suffered and struggled with drug addiction after living through childhood trauma. No, he wasn't an angel, but he was loved and is missed every day. As for my heart, it has resumed beating, but the scar from that wound runs deep. Someday, karma will repay his killers, as official justice will likely never be served. Thank you for giving me the space to share this story and for telling these difficult and often spooky stories. I look forward to listening to your podcast daily as I catch up on past episodes. I hope I never run out. Warmly, Becca V. Becca, you've been through so much. So much. We're so sorry for your loss. Gosh, and you and your mom are so strong. Yes. I think that the hope, at least, that the true crime world is bringing to light that all victims are victims, no matter the circumstances or the way they live their life or, you know, anything Mm -hmm. like that. And so I really hope that it's, you know, bringing some awareness and people are actually being treated with a little bit more dignity. It's definitely a work in progress, Mm -hmm. but I think that it's better or at the very least, I hope. Yeah, gosh. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much for sharing. And who knows, maybe somebody that's listening to this episode knows something. You never know. Yeah. Last one. Ghost in a lingerie shop. Hey, ladies. Longtime listener from the Pacific Northwest. And I have a story for you about the time a ghost was in my store. I used to work at a women's lingerie store in downtown Portland. At the store, there were buzzers connected to fitting rooms, so if a customer needed assistance, they could hit the button and it would notify an associate via a pager. We also wore headsets. One night, me and another worker were there late at night after closing, cleaning, organizing, etc. It was during the holidays, so we had been open until 11 or 12. So she's in one area and I'm at the registers. We can see each other. We both still have pagers for the fitting rooms on when they go off. I asked her if she checked the rooms for customers before closing, and she did. We both go to check to see if someone's back there. The doors are all closed, and we see the buzzer for one fitting room lit up as if it was pushed. I knock on the door to see if someone's in there and hear rustling like there is, but no one answers me. We open the room, and the noises stop. There's nobody there. So we go back to what we were doing and it happened again. Again, we check. Again, we hear movement. And again, nobody there. This happened three times that night. The fitting rooms all the way back to the stock room where everything was silent. So we know it wasn't another store or the corridor. The stores in Portland in the underground area of the downtown shopping center part of what's called the Shanghai Tunnels that were blocked off and converted into buildings. 
some of the tunnels do still exist. There are a lot of stories about kidnappings for slave trade, mob activity, and murders in the 1800s and later. I have many more stories like about the haunted house I grew up in or the time I went to the Stanley Hotel. And man, that place is insane. Creep it real, CJ. Well, CJ, I think your little fingers need to get to Peckin and send some more emails. (laughs) Yes, and Shanghai tunnels are on my to-do list because there's a lot. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Oh, perfect. Also, you know how Carrie says, don't fuck with my sleep? Don't fuck with my work. If I got to walk back there, see what's going on, can't get out, mm -mm, no. Like, I'm off at 12, I want to be off at 12. Yeah, don't make me walk somewhere I don't want to (laughs) walk. No. God, that's so scary. At least you had someone with you, though. True. And somebody just to kind of, like, validate for you, too. Like, oh, no, you really heard that, too? Yeah, me, too. Yeah. I mean, y'all know what validate means. (laughs) Well, thank y'all so much for these heartwarming, gut-wrenching stories that y'all share, and it's amazing. So personal to each of you, like... Thank you so much for letting us be that space that tells a story for you. Yes. If you have a story that you want to share, send them in to aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.